All right, so before we get into today's episode, I wanted to give an announcement, and this is something I'm very excited about. So I have had a few people ask me how they can support the show because there's no ads. I don't seek um, sponsorship at this time. This is not something that I've really done you know, for profit. It's not something that I have really, I just do it because I love doing it. I love meeting people. I love telling people stories. Um, but I have had some people ask me how they can support the show. And by, uh, in response to that, I discovered a website called buymeacoffee.com. And what I've, what effectively what you can do is there's, you can either, if you did want to, uh, donate or support the show in some way that is by no means required or even you know, desired necessarily, but for those of you that have asked, and maybe there's others out there too that would like to support, you can go to buymeacoffee.com slash hindlightmedia, and that link is also in the show notes as well, um, and there's a $5 a month and a $15 a month subscription option, um, but you can also donate, I basically just worded it as a, a gallon of gas, because you, so you can donate a uh, one-time donation if you would like, and basically... Again, this podcast is not something that I seek. I don't definitely do not care or seek to be become rich from this podcast. But I do drive to where I go. Generally speaking, I am I, only one episode so far has been recorded remotely, um, but and it's not even out yet. It won't be out till January. But uh, so effectively, what this is: so buy me a coffee. If you go on there, so there's two tiers: the five dollar a month tier for all my supporters. What I'm going to do? I didn't want to just take people's money and not give them something back in return, even if it was just to, just to, in a small way, support the show. Um, $5 a month, I will pay, basically every episode, I have a cup of coffee, if sometimes two, sometimes three. And what I'm going to do is, every time I pour a cup of coffee or have a fresh cup of coffee in my hand, I'm going to dedicate that cup of coffee to a random five supporters. Um, and as of now, honestly, my mom really is the only one who supported us. So I will, today will be the first episode where the coffee that I'm holding, I dedicate to my mom. So <laughs> she's actually our first supporter as, um, most people, you know, their moms definitely want to support what they're doing. So, you know, shout out to my mom, but so that's what I'll do for that first cup of coffee or whatever. I will shout out on the air multiple, uh, a the first, uh, a random five supporters. And then for the $15 per month subscription option. That is where coffee gives, the coffee flows both ways is what I've called that tier. And effectively what that is, is for everyone, everyone who's a supporter at that level, every five episodes, I will draw a name out of a coffee cup and the person whose name I draw will win a $25 Starbucks gift card. So um, I thought that'd be kind of a fun way to do it. But if you do win, if your name is called, you must be an active supporter at the time of your name being called to win the prize. So anyway, I you know didn't want to come on with a bunch of you know meticulous details and stuff like that. But I have had some people ask, and I wanted to officially announce that on the podcast. So without further ado, here is the actual episode for this week. How's it going, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Off the Cuff. My name is Austin Wiggins, and I am the host, and I will be leading you through a marvelous conversation that I had with a Miss Madeline, and she is an absolute, ama absolutely amazing artist, but more specifically, a tattoo artist, and she's actually related. So episode one, we had Becca Terry on, who works, you know, works very consistently with me and uh, we collaborate quite regularly, um, and her husband, Austin, the other Austin, as some people know him as, uh, we work together as well, and I've known these guys forever, and so Austin Terry, his cousin is Maddie, so Maddie is Austin's cousin, and she comes into town every so often, and, you know, I think the last time she came into town, I had not started the podcast, and I knew as soon as she came back into town, I wanted to record an episode with her, because what an amazing story she has um and well first of all she's really young so she hasn't been in the industry very long she's not really been in the workforce very long but considering she's only been doing this professionally for around five years i mean I, when i heard that i was shocked because the quality of, of her work and the um 
prestige that she's already acquired in these uh, five short years as a professional was is astounding to me. And um, so, yeah, I was just totally blown away by that. And again, I've put the link to her Instagram in the show notes, but it's at Mads Brutal Doodles, and that's on Instagram. And you can see some of the work and see, you can see some of the stuff I'm talking about. But man, the conversation did not disappoint. I was super excited to be sitting down with her. And so here's that conversation. All right, Maddie, so we are recording now. I didn't even give you a warning. Oh, wow. I didn't even give you a warning. We're recording now, and I want to ask you two questions. Who are you, and where are we? I am Madeline Maddock, and we are in the home of two of my favorite cousins. Two of your favorite cousins? So who are these cousins? And the audience, in fact, is actually going to be familiar with one person in the room, which is also one of your cousins by marriage. Yes. Becca, so, uh, Becca Terry. Actually. Becca Terry. I'm yes. going to, you know, I would put like a little applause sound effect in the show. Very but fun. But I'm not quite there yet. I haven't reached that level to be able to do that and still be like, you know, for that to be okay. Yeah. So can you give us an applause? Huzzah! Becca Terry. Say something, Becca. Howdy. She's back. Episode one, the podcast kicked off with Becca Terry, and here we are, many episodes in, and yet again, here we are again with Miss Becca Terry, and we have, yet again, we have Pine Crone, we have Mushroom, at Life of Pine. I'll put a link to that again, but she is a celebrity in this town, and we're happy to be with her again. Welcome, Becca. Welcome, Maddie. The podcast today is, after all, featuring you, and I want to talk a little bit about what is it about you that the that the listener and myself was would be so interested in here? So well, inclined here. We have worked together in the past, made a really cool video, and that was very fun. And every time we get together, we have great conversations and we just have a lot of subjects to go over. And I think me being an artist kind of draws you to wanna know what's in my cranium. So that's why that's why. I love it, and you're so right about that. And every a lot, not everybody I have on the show is an artist, but many are. Um, we've had musicians, other filmmakers. We've had um, trying to think, like we photographers. I mean, just in uh, over time, there will be many, many other artists on the podcast. But that is for sure. But your particular type of art is unique. Needless to say, you know, tattoo. It's a little niche, yeah. It's, it's, it's niche, it's unique. It's the only art that, you know, literally lives among us, you know, which is very interesting. It, mm -hmm. You know, it's literally on people nowadays. Every You see almost everybody with a tattoo. I don't know if that's... what Do you know the stats on that? Like, I wish I did, but I know that it is rare to find someone without them. Yeah, I mean, compared to, like, say, the 50s. Oh, yeah. Back in the day, it was all sailors and criminals. And like my grandmother, God bless her soul, would tell me all the time, the only people I know with tattoos are degenerates. And then there's you. And I just cannot figure it out. Well, there's been a culture shift. And I definitely want to talk about the culture shift and just just your thoughts on, you know, especially older generations. They like I, I know just off the top of my my head, I know several that that has recently within the past five, ten years changed. You know, like some people that used to only see folks with tattoos as criminals, degenerates, like you said, now they've shifted. There has been a major shift. There's a lot of uh, much more, a larger adoption of tattoos than there ever has been before. And that's an anecdotal stat uh, for sure. This is, I'm not, you know, confirm that, but just for, from what you see looking around, you're going to, you see it. Like you said, it's, in, it's very difficult to find someone without a tattoo. Mm -hmm. I personally don't have a tattoo. Um, not a unicorn. Not that I'm against tattoos i just i've never i there's nothing really that i can think of that i would want to etch on my skin for permanently but that's just i have not i don't really have an uh, an opposition to it or uh 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 or i don't i'm not leaning towards getting one so i feel like if you don't actively want one maybe you shouldn't get one but i don't know what do you what do you say to that oh i totally agree with that it's it's a luxury service it's something that most of the time is is instant gratification you know you get it there and then you realize oh my goodness this is something i have for forever so that's why i always recommend getting tattooed by someone who cares about you and you care about because you don't want the memory of someone terrible on you forever even if it's good you know 
Um, I think that it's become a very popular thing because why shouldn't people be able to adorn themselves, you know? We had we had Siri interrupt us for some reason. Just being a little creepy, but uh, sorry don't, about that. We don't want your input, Siri. Thank you, though. Um, I think that tattoos have become popular because of the internet. So socially, people want to adhere to what is cool. And a lot of the times, that is an alternative lifestyle and changing the way you look. You know? It's a different form of body modification so there's it ranges from plastic surgery to getting tattooed you know it's it's a huge spectrum so i want to ask this question for for those listening that do not have tattoos the one thing you probably get a lot of people ask is what does it feel like right yeah i'm sure that's a very common thing you hear from people that have maybe it's their first tattoo they're nervous about getting the first tattoo if it's going to hurt what's it going to feel like so what what do you say to that how do you a explain what it feels like, but also how do you maybe calm someone who wants a attack, wants a large, really large tattoo and has never had one before and is just terrified of the pain? Well, what sucks is that everybody is different. Everybody's nervous system is different and how you're going to react to it, it really varies. And my advice for people is to really take care of yourself, to be well hydrated, well fed, have good amount of sleep. And, and I've noticed that throughout my career and throughout me getting tattooed, that the pain is going to be worse if I am in a worse condition. So as for large tattoos go, like even if you're getting it monetarily for free, you're still going to pay in pain every single time. And there's really no way around that. Like there are all kinds of numbing creams, but nine out of 10 times, someone who knows what they're doing is not going to want to work with numbing cream because it changes the texture of the skin and it could, it could make the longevity of the tattoo suffer. So I really just say, you know, be mentally prepared. Start with something small. If you want to go big and go crazy, just make sure you're taking care of yourself. So I want your advice on this. So there's one tattoo that I've considered getting for several years, and it's a freckle. <laughs> I've always wanted to get a freckle tattoo. Just it's one it's like freckle just or like a multiple? Freckle, maybe, maybe five or six freckles. Just to know how it feels In like? random places. Okay. So that nobody would ever know I had a tattoo, but I could say I have six tattoos and, you, and like make it a game. Well, I, I don't, depending on where they are, that we want to keep that. <laughs> we don't want that to, that to get it appropriate quickly. I'm like, let's we'll find the PG. tattoos. But you know, but like you know, like my hand or my arm or something like that, and be like, you know. But I don't know. So I've thought about that. What would that entail? Is that something? I is that just stupid? I mean, I think that you should have what you want. And that's kind of what my job is to figure out what makes sense. And I'm all for obscure things. I, I think that that would be silly, but we are silly gooses. And that kind of makes sense. You know, you want to know what it feels like, but you also don't want to have to deal with, with looking at something that is, you know, it may or may not be what is currently in right now, or it may not be something you care about 20 years down the line. But it would be funny to say, I got these freckles tattooed, you know, 20 years ago. Yeah, I mean, what, it's like it's like literally getting a tattoo without getting a tattoo. Yeah, well, yeah. you're it's still a tattoo. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. I'm, I, this is something, if I'm going to do it, I may consider doing that. Six, actually, I know, okay, I'll do seven freckle tattoos. And you know why? Is that your lucky number? Well, not seven, but we're both... So we're both we're both Harry Potter fans, correct? Yes. So seven is the most powerfully powerful magical number in the Harry Potter universe, it is. right? So yes. we and I don't want to dive too deep down that rabbit hole because I know two Harry Potter fans get in a room. We could really oh, we could talk for seven hours. Oh yeah, yeah. And then you know maybe we do a I do an additional uh, I do what's in the moment series where they're kind of like bonus episodes that don't necessarily have a maybe we should do we should do like a deep dive Harry Potter like I would love nerd that. out in some Harry Potter like lore I'm so down for that okay we'll yeah. keep, we'll, we'll, if we have time before you head back to Arizona we may need to think about all that. right we can do that so but so, I, I like that I like I want to do if I'm gonna do freckles I think I'm gonna do seven I think that would be great and I would I would be honored to do that for you if that's what you're interested in Let's we can get a little crazy we, we will talk all right we'll all talk. right good so before we do that before we get down into the weeds of the seven freckle tattoo journey as it were i want to know more about your background so what the heck got you into t 
tattooing in the first place? I mean, what do you, do you wake up one day and you're just like, you, you hear this faint buzzing in, in your dreams and you're just like, oh, what is, I'm getting called to do something. And it's like, and oh, I want to be a tattoo artist. Like, how did you get here? It was honestly an accident. I had no intentions whatsoever of turning my art into a financial gain or trying to make a career out of being an artist because my family had always been against that. And I guess everybody telling me that I couldn't do it was what persuaded me into working my booty off into being the best that I can possibly be. And <clears throat> I wanted to be an orthopedic surgeon when I was in college. And I ended up dropping out of college because I was like, what am I doing? This is not for me been in school my whole life my mom was my high school principal so she she really helped direct where my life was going to go and I was really okay with that because I like things to be a little bit more free-flowing and I'm not going to argue you know but then when I found tattooing through um someone who previously used to be a really close friend of mine um he was like dude you can do this and it just took one person believing in me and everybody else being against me for me to dive into it as deep as I could. And it took me about four years to actually learn fully and tattoo people. I really enjoyed the machine work um, and learning how to build machines. And I was terrified of people. So it kind of shifted my personality and shifted like my place in being in control of something because I was always so easily controlled and I was okay with that. But now that I have a career in tattooing, I feel like I'm in charge of something. And that's made me feel very, very whole as a human being. And I couldn't imagine myself doing anything different. So I guess divine angels, divine intervention, you know, just just good people supporting me and hoping the best for me. Um, and I don't have any big goals of owning a shop or you know making a bunch of money off of anybody else I just I want to do my best and make sure that people are leaving as happy and as as content with their peace as possible and a lot of my persuasion down this avenue is seeing how hurt people have been from the tattoo industry and not just by like the bad tattoos that they get but their experiences and I've heard so many horror stories about tattooers not caring and you know, being just blatantly rude and, and blatantly not caring about another human being's body. And that's pushed me even farther down the rabbit hole of trying to turn this into a, a form of therapy because that's what it's been for me and not necessarily bonding with another person who's tattooing me, but it's my own kind of way of dealing with my, my issues. So, wow, that's, there's a lot to unpack there for sure. Because, I mean, especially the thing, one of the things that jumped out at me was that you are a shy person, mm -hmm. you know, which this is probably the most, you know, and from a, in a professional standpoint, one of the most intimate things you can do is tattoo someone because you're in a room with them for extended periods of time. You're, you're create, you know, you're physically um, etching a message on their body that they're going to live with forever. I mean, so for that, for that to be, to, for a shy person, that does seem like something that you wouldn't think a shy person would want to do. But is it that your artwork, is it that your love for the art, is it kind of like your your superpower is kind of, that enables you to push past that shy nature? I think that it took me a long time to get as comfortable as I am being in control of, of what happens to another human being, especially with their body. And I can feel the trust coming from a person which enables me to work past all of my fears and that's that's what my adult life has been has been my main focus is conquering my fear and my fear of people I knew wasn't a healthy thing and I knew that it wasn't my fault so like helping people is my favorite thing in the whole entire world I'm I was raised to be a people pleaser so trying to find the comfortability of not you know completely expelling all of my energy for a person but at the same time filling their cup up as much as I possibly can like I love the idea of being a protector and being someone that people can count on and the one-on-one -on -one isn't terrifying to me at all because it, it's actually my moment where I get to connect and that's what's helped me be less and less shy because I have to I have to be present 
And that's why I'm so terrible at responding to messages and organizing things because I'm, I'm so busy, go, go, go. I overload my schedule because I know that people want to see me in person and want to be around me. And I want the same, you know, I, I'm really lucky with the amount of clients that I have because most of the time people are really, really easy to be around and I don't feel as drained. Well, and I love how you, I love what you said that filling people's cups because I, you know, I think that's critical and no matter what you're doing. I mean, I feel like if you can, whatever profession it is, you know, whatever your day to day, you know, if I think if that's a large part of what you're trying to do every day, no matter what you're doing, you're going to find generally find success. I think people, because people are, people are drawn to people that make them feel good. They're not going to remember necessarily what you said to them. They're not going to remember, you know, how the the credit card transaction went, you know, if there, the, there was a quirky machine error or something like that, they're not going to remember, um, you know, the individual points, but what they're going to remember five years down the road or six months down the road is how you made them feel. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's what gets people talking. That's what, you know, and I, I find in the professional world and the marketing world, I tell people what you're trying to do, what you really want to do is not just create customers. You're not just trying to find new customers. You're trying to generate fans, mm-hmm. you know, and people that just love you and that support you and root for you when you're not in the room, which is, you know, your brand is what people say about you when you're not in the room. It's mm-hmm. basically your professional reputation you know your company's logo your your what your your brand means and stands for when you're not there um so i do i appreciate that as a because what this is even though yes it is art and what i do is very you know art driven we still have to because of what we're doing we have to keep the lights on we have to you know this it is what we've chosen to do is for our careers you know art 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 led career paths so there is an element of customer service and customer satisfaction and there's, you know, you have the taxes and you have all the boring stuff, but we, you know, but you do need that those were, but those relationships and those happy experiences, they're what really drive a successful operation. Definitely. Definitely. So. And, it, and I always want everybody to know, like you're being tattooed by somebody that loves you. I know I just met you, but I love you, you know, and I don't think that a lot of people go into the industry thinking that way or caring like that. I think most of the time it's money driven or art driven. You know, I'm a, I am a tortured artist at heart, but I also am a tortured human being who just loves other humans probably more than I should. Um, but that's how I express my love is by acts of service and acts of doing. And so being able to create for somebody else, especially something that they carry forever, like I'm more honored than you are to, to be completely honest i am i'm beyond myself that people trust me as much as they do and that is the most rewarding part it makes everything else worth it it makes all the taxes and makes you know all the over the overhead and all the hard work staying up until two o'clock in the morning drawing it makes it all worth it because i care way too much well and you know that it's interesting you say the i mean the trust thing i know you've touched on that a couple times but when you think about it man I, i you really what what an immense amount of trust someone has to have in you mm-hmm. you know i mean that's gosh that's permanent you know what i mean so it's like they have to believe in you they have to keep coming back refer their friends so i mean that's something what gosh i mean that's 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 when i i just sat here literally in real time and i just like the weight of that just hit me at my core i'm like man you're right about that like i never really thought about the level of trust that's required holy cow it took me four years to trust myself to be able to do this because I have always felt very small. I'm, I'm one of nine kids, you know, and um, I was the baby for 17 years. So I was always made to feel like I'm sort of incompetent and I don't know the way for things. So I really had to hyper-focus on this and make it, make it everything that I care about and nothing more um, to bring myself to the level of trusting myself that other people trust me, you know? And I can relate. This is, I wouldn't. I guess you, arguably as much trust or comparable um, for wedding video. Definitely, you because know. that's that's some of the happiest days of people's lives, right? Yeah, I mean, it's like this is it's a one and done thing. You miss it, it's gone. You know, you can't have someone redo anything. So I can relate to that because it took me many years to be able to shoot weddings and not have that just crippling 
you know, feeling of, man, this is such high pressure. You know, we've done so many, we've, I think we've done close to 50 at this point. So it's like, now, you know, we're, we have a lots of confidence in ourselves. We've, you know, we've, we've put redundancies and, you know, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm struggling to find the word, but processes in place that eliminate a lot of those concerns. Yeah. But it's still, it's still very humbling and such an honor to be chosen to produce a wedding film for someone because that, that says a lot um, about your brand again and your portfolio, people have seen you've done and the trust that we've generated. And that can be, that can be broken very easily. Yes. You know, so you, you know, so I can relate to you in that regard um, in a different way for sure. But um, it's interesting when it just, when I was listening to you say that and just, I, it, I just felt this weight in the pit of me. There's like, holy cow, like you're so much trust and that. <laughs> it really is a big deal. You know, that's a big deal. And I'm an overthinker, so you can imagine. Like, yeah, I mean, that's what I tell people. You just have to, at least, what, like, I get that question about weddings a lot. And it's almost like there is an element where you just have to trust what you've set up, trust your process, and just go with it. And don't overthink anything. Just, it's all in the prep work. And I'm assuming that is for you as well, because, and that's part of what I want to talk about next, is just what goes into the prep work for tattoo like typically i mean I, i'm assuming there's occasionally somebody that just walks in and says i just want this and you just go for it maybe maybe not that's what my life used to be when i worked in a street shop of of instant gratification for people which i don't i don't do i do perfectly fine under any amount of pressure but if i'm gonna leave satisfied at the end of the day and not keep myself up all night i like to have things in order where i am fully confident that this is what somebody wants and i always say hey this is not a bad haircut so don't you dare let me put something on you that is isn't perfect to your standards and half the time unfortunately but also fortunately because i love that i can be this uh people already have bad tattoos that i'm fixing and it's either a bad memory attached to them or it's just poorly constructed poorly done you know they've had some kind of infection or, or just a, a really bad overall experience with somebody else where i kind of have to go in and restructure what they think of tattoo artists and like kind of rebuild their trust and so i spend countless hours of my week drawing and preparing and talking to people and and i really try to stay on focus with one person at a time but I get horribly scatterbrained, so I'm, I'm learning how to redirect that and rework that, but a lot of drawing goes into it, a lot of preparations with the best tools that I can possibly buy go into it, and uh, creating a space that people feel safe in has been my ultimate goal, because I've worked in places where people were not safe, and they weren't having a good time, and they were too afraid to tell me because of the environment and everybody around me. So that's been my shift more so going into like me mastering it as opposed to looking for validation from others to see if I'm doing a good job. And what kind, so then what kind of, let's back up even further than that. What kind of training, I know you touched on it earlier, but what are some of the training? What is the, that training like? Cause I mean, assuming it's probably difficult to become a tattoo artist if you have like, didn't grow up doodling or didn't have some background in freehand drawing, right? So can it, is it something that can be learned from, I can, I can barely draw stick man and I want, but also have a dream of being a tattoo artist. It's more so a technical skill. So you can be a tattooer and you can be a tattoo artist. There's a, a total difference. There are people who can tattoo circles around me. You know, they, they have incredible line work. They have an incredible structure of their tattooing, but they don't create their own art. And I'm not here to say anybody is worthy or not worthy to be in this industry. As long as you are making sure people are safe and you're not putting their bodies at jeopardy, I don't care what you do. But I think that being good at drawing doesn't necessarily mean that you would be a good tattoo artist because it's like welding or or glass blowing or just something on the side where, yeah, you can have a background of any other kind of art, but that isn't going to ensure that you're your hand strength is going to be good or, you know, just your technique overall. Is there, I mean, is there a schooling? Are there tattoo schools or they're like... There are tattoo schools, but they're horribly overpriced and the curriculum isn't necessarily anything that what an a old school tattooer or someone in my place would say is um, reliable 
or credible. Like you, you, if you tell somebody in the industry that you went to tattoo school, they're probably going to laugh at you. And that may have changed since I've worked in a shop, but overall, like if you want to learn the right way, you have to find somebody who's good enough to teach you who probably has 10 plus years of experience under their belt because there's so much more than just tattooing there's people skills there's the the biggest thing is cleanliness and making sure that your setup is cleaner than a freaking hospital right so you want to make sure that the people that you're working with aren't going to catch some horrific thing because of you like i have tons of friends who ask me millions of questions on the daily about how they get into the industry and i'm I'm just a baby tattooer. You know, I've been learning since 2015, but I've only been tattooing since 2019. And I don't think that I'm in a place where I can teach someone and have them be ultimately successful. I can give you all the tools that you need to make sure people are safe, but I I can't give you a full background because there's there's so much that can be learned in tattooing. And you should you should learn how to do everything before you hone in on your own niche little art style. Yeah. Right. So it sounds like apprenticeship is basically the preferred or the the um, the path to success. In my personal opinion, yes, but that's not necessarily good for everyone. It wasn't good for me, but I couldn't have learned in any other way. There was more about me that I needed to become well-rounded with, like my people skills and just making all around like eye contact, you know, that was the hardest part about learning how to tattoo for me. So it's just a range of of different qualities that you need to possess to be good at it. Yeah. 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 I mean, especially because you're dealing in, in in some ways, I mean, there's a lot of overlap in the retail space that there is with tattoo, really. I mean, because when you think of the retail space, you can, anybody can come in at any given time and, mm-hmm. you know, you don't know who you're going to, you don't know who's going to come through the door. You don't know what they're going to want to purchase, as, you know, specifically somebody comes into a clothing store you, you know do they want shoes do they want a blouse do they want a, a skirt you know but there's probably that's why you have different people with different departments and specialize in the different departments and you know i imagine there's a lot of overlap in customer experience and um you know i, I guess for some like if you work at a shop tattoo shop but i mean i'm sure there are a lot of tattoo artists that are direct to like more consultant based mm-hmm. where it's like they're not in a shop but maybe you just people come to you um with specific ideas i guess are there are there two i guess veins of photo of not photography uh of tattoo work whereas it some people are purely shop based and are there some tattoo artists that are purely contract based so i mean i can only specifically talk about myself i used to work in multiple shops i've worked at four different tattoo shops and those environments for me were very toxic and having an apprenticeship like going back to that there are way too many mentors that abuse their apprentices. And that's why there's so much unrest in the tattoo community and so much uh, negativity because people want you to prove yourself to be able to learn. And when I was working in a shop, I felt like I was constantly trying to prove myself and get up on the hierarchy of everything and make the most money. And it's good to have a team. It's good to have people that you can direct other clients to when you can't fulfill their wishes. Um, and then there's someone like me who's, I've, I've outgrown that. I have created a huge clientele base, you know, people who know what I have to offer and whatever they ask for, I can, I can give them the best of my ability. And I work in a really, really nice little salon that I have a private room in, a private studio, and that has made people so happy because they no longer have to deal with the social uncomfortability of being around five, you know, grown men who kind of act like frat dudes and don't really have a good bedside manner. So um, it really depends on where you're going and what you're looking for. But most of the time, you know, the people in the tattoo shops will say like, oh, we hate people that have private studios. Like that's goofy. You know, they're, you know, not credible. But you know, it it really depends on what your experience is. Mm-hmm. So, the, the, and I want to, I know I mentioned earlier about talking about the culture shift. You, what do you have to say about that? Is like kind of I know which I didn't realize you'd only been tattooing for only coming up on five years, I guess, at this mm-hmm. point, which is not you know that's still quite a while considering your age. I mean, you're not very old. I'm 26. So you you know that's for to be a professional tattoo artist who started when you were 21 approximately. 
I mean, that's, you know, that's quite, quite a good percentage of your life. Yeah. So even until, you know, plus before that, you said you were kind of studying it, right? I was still in high school when I got my first apprenticeship. Wow. Yeah. And then I went into college and I would skateboard from my college downtown, which was probably about a mile away. And then I would work all night long and I'd wake up, go to class and do that over and over and over again. And that contributed to me dropping out because I fell in love with tattooing and I was also trying to appease my mom and mm-hmm. make her proud of me. But then I realized like, I have to put all my energy into this to be the best that I can be. And I think that the culture shift is the greatest thing in my generation. Like I was born in the right generation. I think it's so funny when people say like, I should have been born in the sixties, you know, that was the vibe. But our generation is a lot like the people of the seventies where it's, it's all one love, you know? And so for me to be able to, wiggle my way into this avenue where there's a lot of harshness and negativity and like human disconnect is the greatest way for me to be a healer for other people what what do you have to say like somebody you know come from a different generation maybe listening to this and they were just the way they were raised they just can't shake it it's just like oh i see somebody with a tattoo and it's just like ah you know like i just they have this visceral reaction to it what do you have to say to somebody who still feels that way, even if they don't want to feel that way, but they just can't help it? It's just the, so, such a part of their raising that they feel that way, but they want to shake it. But what do you have to say to that person? Well, I mean, you're entitled to your opinion. Everybody is. And if you want to change something, the only person that has control over it is you. And if you see another human being and you judge them right off the bat, that's that's a reflection of you and that's your problem. And it has nothing to do with me. It's not going to change the fact that I'm going to be polite to you and treat you how I would treat anyone else. Um, I don't find a lot of discomfort in people's disgust with me because I think it's hilarious because I know who I am and I know what I represent and I know that I am heavily tattooed from the tip of my head to the bottoms of my feet. How I'm many tattoos t- do you have? I have no idea. That's that's a good answer. Mm-hmm. Probably <laughs> over 69, at least. Over 69. <laughs> at least. That's a, that's a great... Uh, a two, you don't even know. You lost count. I couldn't even tell you how many times I've been tattooed because I have tattoos on top of tattoos on top of tattoos. But I fell in love with it when I was 18. So you know what happens when we're 18. We make silly, goofy decisions. And I've been trying to recover from that <laughs> my whole adult life. So I love it. So so now that we, we know a little bit about let's kind of like the, the I guess the, the path from, hey, this is something interesting. I actually want to pursue this as a career. We kind of have an idea of what that looks like. Um, we talked about the the creative process i guess i want to dive a little more into that process so someone comes in and maybe they've just had their firstborn child and they they come in they say maddie um i've had my just just had you know six months ago firstborn child was born i want to i don't know what i want but i want a tattoo that's special that can you know i'll always have to look back even as they grow what is the creative process like? Say I'm that client and I, I pitch this to you. What does that process look like from that point to actually sitting there in the, the, the chair putting the tattoo on them? So a lot of times my co- like consultations go through email or um, some kind of DM. And that helps me stay more organized so I can go back and look because, you know, a 20 different people's ideas will overflow into one and I'll just kind of confuse myself. So... I'll have people tell me what they like, and if if you're trying to get me to read your mind, I'm going to ask you a million different questions and kind of trick you into telling me what you may or may not want. And I think the reassurance of me saying, you can change your mind as many times as you'd like, I want you to be as happy as possible, that, that makes people more comfortable. It helps indecisive people, like, see things clear and not feel so much pressure. And that's the goal is I want to alleviate the pressure off of you because yes, this is a permanent thing. It's forever. It's a big commitment, but it doesn't have to be taken so seriously and so um, nervously. Right. So I work on the comfort of people and make sure that they can trust me and we can carry a conversation. And, and it's really all around like what made you spark this idea in the first place? Do you like flowers? Do you like bugs? Do you like Danny DeVito? What do you need? What does your baby remind you of? Right. So it's more so that. So trying to really learn 
you almost have to learn who the essence of the person basically is really almost like and that's kind of like which and i keep going back to wedding video but really any client and whether it's a preferred professional client a commercial client or a non-commercial client i do the same thing it's like because i get so many people come to me and they're like this is what i do i need a video but i have no idea what i want to do and that's exactly what i have to do i have to study their brand i have to study you know their mission statement what they how people perceive them what their goals are um and so i have this you know laundry list of questions that i but it all comes it really stems from the same thing getting to know the client and you know yeah which is it, I, that's really i didn't expect many i didn't expect there to be so many overlaps between what we do hey we're artists that's it when you have to work with people you kind of have to understand psychology a little bit and how to get the essence out of people and what you need to make something happen I love right it. i love it so then say you come to agreement then you email them sketches yeah and well okay so i don't email sketches i don't do anything like that over over the internet everything that i like to do is in person so we can set it in stone in a conversation because when you send someone a design they're going to show their brother their sister their uncle their brother their cousin uncle sisters dogs lovers you know spouse oh yeah and they all have different opinions and i don't want other people's opinions like obscuring you from what you deeply down in your core like what you want and you come to me for a reason you come to me because you like my art you like my style you know what i have to offer so that's what you're going to get every single time and i think that's that's what makes people feel a little bit more comfortable and a little less like what's going to happen right okay so after that basically yeah i like this so it's a lot at that point it's basically in person back and forth and then do you like is there a lot do they have a lot of tweaks generally or do you just is it most of the time they look at it and like i love it and you just rock and roll that's usually it because i ask all the right questions i get i sometimes i'll have people make me a mood board on pinterest and just send me that because that people love that you know and they i want there to be lots of different options i'll be like okay what do you like about this one what do you like about that one what if we incorporated this element and this element and when i'm confident with something and i'm excited about something i see that that makes people really really happy and it and it brings the trust right out of them because they're like you're confident in what you're doing you're gonna make it happen and that's all i care about i love so, it yeah. well that i mean that definitely answers my question because that's something i'm i've always wondered and you know there's i'm sure i mean you can't put a that's a generic narrative to it i mean everybody's different i'm sure but um i the next thing on my and i don't even have a list i'm just sitting here like just eager just like you know and we have such a limited amount of time I'm like oh, i want to get this i'm gonna get this but the next question i have for you just what are some of do you have any crazy stories tattoo stories somebody wants just a bizarre even any bizarre stories just they want a tattoo in a bizarre place or a bizarre design anything like that that i think the stories that i have may be a little bit too inappropriate for this beloved podcast and that's that's the way you do it <laughs> and that's fine let's speak vaguely what are just some of the is it is it mostly the bizarre request you get is it more about like design or is it the location of the tattoo would you say like the do you, think, do you ever have to turn people away i turn people away all the time because if i don't have what you want me to offer i can't give it you anything mm-hmm. and i like to go on the alternative side of being like okay but this person can help you and most of the time it's it's the reason they want it. It's not even the tattoo itself. It's 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 a background of like they want something for a really obscure reason, like like their their boyfriend who's into some kind of hardcore something wants his name tattooed on his girlfriend just to prove that they're together. You know, it's just silly stuff like that where you can really see why someone's getting something. And if I don't think that you're doing it for a genuine reason and it's going to end up hurting you more than it's going to make you like bring you joy. I won't do it. There's just no point. There's not an amount of money to me in the world that's going to make me not care about yeah. future you. I love it. So what are the biggest, I guess, whether it be getting started or well, I guess what are the biggest challenges? Like, let's talk day to day. Like, what are the biggest challenges you face regularly in your in tattooing people? I think that my biggest challenges are my social anxiety and my inability to regulate my work and not put a hundred and million percent of myself into everything. I end up exhausting myself for months because I will work 12 hours a day every single day and that 
people pleasing kind of just it makes time feel so crazy to me um so it's not necessarily my job it's just like what I do to myself to be the best and the hardest part of, of getting into this industry for me was all of the bad tattoos that you have to make to be good and there's so much guilt and shame that I carry because of that but if I'm completely honest with myself I haven't dished out too many bad tattoos and anything that I have I've gone back and I've tried to fix to the best of my ability so it's really just am I supposed to be doing this do I have a right to do this you know like asking the heavens like is this okay for me to do morally and justly and still you know go to heaven but what what am I doing you know (laughs) is it the imposter syndrome type stuff and that's everything I mean every every person I I can't even count how many times that topic has come up. The imposter syndrome is every, and I just think it's a sign. What I tell people is, it's just, it's just, it's, it, it just means you care. Mm-hmm. If you didn't have that, you wouldn't care. But if you didn't care what you, the impact that you have, you wouldn't have that. Because, you know, so it's, it's just the, the, the more you have that, the more, it just more proves that you, you care about what you do. You care about the impact. You care about the people that you, you come in touch, you, you come in contact with on the daily um so it's a good thing you know that's how i've sort of because i experienced that all the time yeah you know um because of that trust aspect and uh, people don't know the amount of hard work we put into just even the simplest decisions you know there's so much thought that goes into it um and that's you know i can say that's probably the same for for all forms of careers you know even if you're an accountant i mean it's like you're handling people's money you know, it's not an artistic career, but it's very, a lot of trust goes into that, you know. So I think I tell people that if you experience that, just think of that as, as fuel, fuel yourself in the sense that I feel this I, it's because I care. And I have to separate that from being, being terrified of, you know, overdoing myself to prove that I'm not an imposter uh, that's that's somewhere I always get stuck in where I'm like, am I doing too much or am I doing not enough? Right. Um, and I think things have gotten a lot better since I've gotten out of my recent spot working with a bunch of men because that was really unhealthy for me as like a small female who was treated like I was treated like a man. And that was very hard on me emotionally and physically. And I had a lot to prove. And so having less to prove to fellow employees uh, and just working one-on-one with clients and being around other people that are in different forms of art other than tattooing has helped me feel less like an imposter. So, yeah. And, uh, I, and I love to hear that. And that's the thing is just don't definitely don't beat yourself up for that. Cause that's, I mean, that is everybody that cares feels that. And it's just, you know, it's what's important is that you keep going, that you acknowledge that you're able to separate that from you know, keep your mental mental health healthy. Yes. You know, um, but but yeah. So definitely don't feel bad about that for sure. Was, what are the challenges? So, the, speaking more broadly, what are some of the challenges? The what are some of the biggest challenges that the industry, the tattoo industry, faces? So you talked about you and your challenges, but like, are there things that like the tattoo industry struggles with? Uh, there are millions of things that the tattoo industry struggles with. One of them is regulation, because in many states there is no tattoo regu- regulation. There's nobody making sure that shops are taking care of people. Um, and, and the the base level things, you know, whether it's using sterile supplies or having a sterile environment, that's where I'm from, that's not important. And that has caused a lot of anger in me and frustration with other artists because they're not well educated on like bloodborne pathogen and just human human anatomy. And another huge part of the tattoo industry is just the abusive men who take advantage of young women that they're tattooing. And that's something that I've fought against for my entire career. It's something that has pushed me deeper and deeper down this hole of trying to create a more healing environment as opposed to just dishing out tats all day. You know, I want someone to leave feeling better than they came and I want them to leave feeling like they like they're soulful, you know, like they've 
they've overcome something. And a huge issue that I've noticed is that a lot of women have been traumatized by male tattooers. And I'm not saying that there aren't any female tattooers that are awful. I'm just saying my experience is that the women who have tattooed me have been wonderful. And some of the men ha who have tattooed me have, have legitimately scarred me for life emotionally and physically. So if there's anything that I really hope that changes is that people hold male tattooers accountable for allegations against them and, you know, just the, the poor bedside manner that they have. So, and that actually, we're getting, we're approaching close to time here, but um, that actually triggered a thought. So, like, what are some of the things that, say you've never gotten a tattoo before, or you've gotten many, you know, what are some of the clearest red flags? You know, you're going to a tattoo parlor, shop, whatever it is, private, you know, whatever it is. What are some of the things that, like, you see these top three, top five things? It's like, oh, okay, I need to go somewhere else. So if the environment itself is giving you a bad feeling, that's the number one, get out. If the artist is treating you like you are not their equal, get out. If they're talking down to you and telling you that your ideas are stupid and they're not working with you to create something better than you could have ever imagined, get out. If your gut is just screaming that this person should not touch you, get out because so many so many people that i've worked with have been like i knew it was bad before it even started if you're sitting on a couch for an hour waiting for them to draw and you guys haven't even talked about you know it like you paid a deposit and you're sitting on the couch for hours and you're just staring at the artist and they're dilly dallying or or they're drawing and they're not prepared for you you're like yes that happens once in a blue moon on a bad day you know but if that's happening every single time you see them or or that you've heard about them get away from them because they don't care about you. They're not going to like, like you will see someone take the time out of their day to be prepared for you so that you don't waste your entire day getting a tattoo. Also, if someone's taking a million breaks and just, just dehumanizing you, it's an important thing to recognize and to have that confidence. Like you shouldn't get a tattoo unless if you're confident to say, no, I don't want that on my body. Huh. Oh, very good. Well, I'll keep that in mind when I go to get, if it's not you and you're not in town and I do get my seven freckles, I'll keep all that in mind. Good, good. <laughs> if you're not in town and I need to get my seven freckle tattoos, I'll keep all those things in mind for sure. Good. But uh, so as we kind of the one thing, the last thing I want to touch on, and again, with, with these, there's always so many more things we could talk about. I try to keep these around an hour. Um, but I want to end the show with our recommendations and we'll get to that. But before we get to the last thing I wanted to touch on is just what are the the things that, when you talk to people about what you do, or maybe things that, that surprised you, like what are the, the some things that just people just didn't, wouldn't have, would never have thought about in your industry? Like things that you deal with or do, like what are some of the most surprising, maybe to you they're simple, but that just they're just completely surprising to people that don't know, have, have no clue about what you do. I think that the difference between men and women in the industry is so vast and a lot of different communities are really embracing tattoos and really really changing the shift into a more artistic thing as opposed to something else um i think that it surprises me how many actual artists are starting to do this. And it's very exciting because usually it's just power hungry men who are doing like basic traditional, which I'm not knocking traditional. It can be done beautifully well and it's very difficult to do. But there's just so many different things opening up and so many different niche little avenues. And it was something that I thought was going to die out and it's actually getting a lot crazier well there you go yeah well there you have it folks so people are buying tattoo machines off amazon and just going ham at their house and it could it could create magic who's to say well we are seriously in a uh the world is, is well, at least the united states the trades um trades are rising up i mean that's true i mean it's like we're in a point where especially i think covid had a lot to do with it but just people are more inclined now than ever to just take control of their own life mm -hmm. you know and trades and 
business start like initiatives starting up your own um starting up your own thing you know for lack of a better word that's so popular now and i think it's because people covid kind of woke everybody up and it's like why am i running this rat race why am i on this hamster wheel for all these people that are making money off of me and i'm you know they're growing and i'm just remaining stagnant mm -hmm. and i think that's just just such a boom i think that's going to be one of the biggest things that history it goes down in the history books for the for this for you know in our lifetime just well COVID obviously but just the how it impacted the workforce yeah I mean it it, it kind of abolished gatekeeping I think yeah yeah like people everything is for everyone and you should try whatever you want to just do your research don't go into things willy-nilly especially if there's something serious but try any hobby that you want to try any career path that you want to and and that's what the internet has created is that this idea that people could do anything and they can't. Yeah, well, that and with AI now, with personalized education, you know, being able to actually learn things. I mean, that's like the ultimate biggest destroyer of gatekeeping right now is AI for sure. And mm -hmm. that personalized education, which I talked about on a previous episode. And um, not, but it's, it's crazy stuff. So before we get into the recommendations, Maddie, first of all, thank you for coming on the show. My gosh, it's been epic, epic talking with you. And, you know, the, I knew this conversation would be awesome. And I just wish we had more time. You know, that's the only thing I wish we, we, we may still do before you leave. We may seriously do a Harry Potter deep dive. I just love that. Just geek out Let's on some do Harry it. Potter. So, but um, how can people find you, you know? So I am Mads Brutal Doodles and. On Instagram? Just Instagram. That's okay. all I have. And spell it. M-A-D-S-B-R-U-T-A-L. D-O-O-D-L-E-S. Okay, and I'll put a link to that in the show notes for people to go find the work that you do and have done, obviously. And you got to hit that like or follow button, I guess, on Instagram. You got to hit that because I follow her. But yeah, we did. We did a really cool video years ago. What a year ago, maybe. Was it a year Two ago? Two years ago. Two years, something yeah. like that. Um, so if you that was that's on my portfolio. If you go to austinwiggins.com. Actually, I think it's on our website, highlightmedia.com. It's on their front page still. Um, you can see her literally in action in, a, in, in our collaboration we did. Um, but yeah, so I'll put that in the show notes. Um, so yeah, I'm excited about that and getting your name out there even further. So, um, Thank you so much. And if what, so if people want to actually contact you to, to like do tattoo work, with what area, what parts of the country or like where, if, where do you, if you live in XYZ area, where would that be? So I live in Tucson, Arizona. And I travel sometimes to Virginia, Florida, Georgia. Um, and if things are in divine timing and it's meant to be, who knows? Maybe you might get a tattoo for me. But uh, as of right now, I'm, I'm stationed in Tucson. Okay. So if you're in Tucson, this is probably going to be the most regular place. Definitely the most regular place to get uh, to have you, you know, do the tattoo. Yeah. Okay. Well, very cool. Well, very, all you Tucson listeners out there and... You know, she's a uh, one of the greats. Thanks. Lee. She's one of the greats. I've seen her work. I've seen her work, and it is great. Huzzah! Huzzah! So well, very cool. So let's end the show. Recommendations. What is your recommendation? And I will say before we do that to the new listeners, what this is. I like to end every episode with a just recommendation. It can be tangible or intangible. It could be related, unrelated to the conversation. Just a fun way to, you know, share something that we as real people use or do on a daily basis, regular basis that um, could benefit someone else. So what is your recommendation, Maddie? My recommendation is a book called The Prophet by Khalil Gibran, I think Okay, is his name. And this book changed my life. It really helped give me a better structure as a human being, and it gave me hope. Where, Izzy, do you want to dive deeper into that or just let, let that rest? I'm going to just let that rest. Can you do me a favor? Text me the link to that book okay. on Amazon, and I will link that for sure. Fantastic. So just shoot me the link to that book, and I'll include that. So we'll let the, let the listener go read. It's a, it's a very short book. Each page covers the structure of how life should be. Okay. And it's it's magical. Well, and I'm, I'm so glad you said magical because my recommendation 
And this ties perfectly with the beginning of our conversation. And I'm sure you're fully aware of my recommendation, but it is Hogwarts Legacy, <laughs> the Harry Potter video game. Yes. Have you played Harry, Hogwarts Legacy? I haven't. Oh. Is it great? I have nerded out. I've done everything you can possibly do. Like I've 100%ed it. I've, the only thing I've not done is play the other three houses. I've done a Ravenclaw house in literal completion. There's nothing else to do. I've, the only thing else I could do is have three more characters in each of the houses, which I'll, I'll probably do eventually. Yeah, yeah. But man, if you're a Harry Potter fan, oh my gosh. PC, it's on PC. I think it's coming to Switch very soon. It's on Xbox. The old Xbox and the new one, PlayStation 4 and 5, I'm sure. Like, it's on all of them. Okay. You know, and it, as a Harry Potter fan, there are over 70 or... Maybe, maybe more than that. There's like tons and tons and tons and tons of Easter eggs um, that directly tie into the books and movies. It's like almost everything you can dream of from the books and the movies that you would you think you would see, you never would have dreamed that you would have seen or you know could have imagined is there. It is jam-packed, and the gameplay is super fun. It's, it's designed to be played by people that aren't gamers. You can increase the difficulty if you are a... You know, I would say it's not the most difficult game if you're like a hardcore gamer and want a true challenge. It's more about fun. Um, it, it, it's not easy, but it's definitely not like the most difficult game in the world. It's just fun. Is it time consuming? Um, it took me about 100 hours of gameplay to, wow. to get to where I'm at now with it. About 93 hours to 100, like to 100% the game and find all the collectibles and all that kind of stuff. That's awesome. So needless to say, it was well worth the money for sure. Um, so... Well, very good. Well, right at just about right at an hour. So, Maddie, do you have any other um, any closing thoughts or anything like that? Um, I just I appreciate you, and I'm grateful for this experience and to be able to chat with you. And I can't wait to uh, dive deeper into Harry Potter. <laughs> we will do it. We will do it. And and Becca, we made your presence known at the beginning. I'd be remiss not to let you close us out. Any final thoughts? Goodbye. There you have it. All right, everybody. See you next time.